All right. So, I'm going to ask you two questions here. <clears throat> Do you think the following is important? Keep your keep your answer to yourself, but I will ask you. Are you ready? I'm going to switch markers. Hopefully to a good marker. Do you think the following is important? Do you think school is important? And do you think learning is important? Yes for which? Okay, school and learning is important. Why? Be pretty stupid if you didn't go to school. Okay, all right, okay. How about you? Yes? No? Uh, I think no for school, yes for learning. Okay, very good, very good. All right. And why? Yes, both are important. And why? Part of learning is through school, so school is important. All right. So that you can learn. Audrey? Okay, I say both are important. Learning because it's important to have the an inquisitive mindset to just learn from every situation. Okay. And then school, not necessarily, like it could be, but not necessarily for like the content you learn, but you learn lessons and you it teaches you to learn from every situation. Okay. Because deal with different people socially. And it gives you opportunities. Okay? I agree with Dylan. I think learning is important, but I don't think going to school is important. I think we do. Learn from home. Right. And not have to go to school. Yeah. Okay. Alright. So, here's the thing. When you are and I think, I think you're all pretty much on this page. When you see a one-year-old and they look up, recognize that it is an airplane flying overhead, point to it and say, airplane. That's cool, right? You'd say, good job. You did all those skills. You said the word, right? You recognized it. There's some motor skills involved and, and different processing skills and things, okay? If you're 20, and that's your level, is you go, airplane, and there's no more, okay? <laughs> there's no more thought behind it. There's no more processing behind it. Then you might be a little behind, okay? All right, you might be a little behind because we expect by the time you're 20 and far before then to have learned a lot of different things, all right? Knowledge is a very important part of life. Now, not just for 
not just for saying, hey, that's an airplane, okay, but for a lot of things like cooking, eating, sleeping correctly, okay, having a house to live in, and how do you take care of things, right? If there was no knowledge, then we would be in trouble as a society. If there no, was no growth and no learning, we would really be in trouble. And I don't think, in fact I know, that is not how God intended us or created us to be this, uh, this human that does nothing, learns nothing, and sits like a bump on a log forever. That's not how God created us. In fact, God is a God that we use the word omniscient for. Okay, omniscient is one of those important words. What does it mean? Somebody. Okay, omni means what? All. And the word science, which is in there, means what? Science means knowledge. So all knowledge. So God has all knowledge. Now we say God's omniscient. Okay, omniscience. Okay, so he, he has all knowledge of all things. We say that, but what we don't always do is understand the depth of that. What does that entail? So we started a couple of weeks ago this series on the approach of the Bible and knowledge together. But our first introduction to it was that in order to have real knowledge about things in this world, you need to understand who you are and where you sit in the world. You have to, you have, to have the right perspective. And if your perspective is all just how wonderful yourself is or how selfish, if you have a selfish perspective, then you don't have the ability to have as broad of knowledge as you need to have. Because the more selfish you tend to be, the less willing you are to learn things. Because you already know. Right? If you think highly of yourself, then I already know things. And I don't need to learn things. And that is a place in life where you will hit however, whatever level that is. You'll hit some brick wall or some ceiling some point, some level, and say, I'm not learning any past this. All right? But I don't think that was God's intent. God's intent was, let's learn our entire lives. Okay? Now, you all know school's important, right? To some level. Or at least all of you know and agree that learning is important. Right? I hope that you're all past the airplane stage in your life, all right? Um, so here's the thing. This is when we go and we look at that. We have attacked that. And last week, we started to look at some of the knowledge, some of the science parts that are located in the Bible and have been for a very, very long time, ever since the beginning of when it was written. All right? This is, now let's, let's look at a perspective of roughly... <clears throat> excuse me, how long ago the Bible was written. It's written on the three to 4,000 years ago level. Okay? Now, it was a range of years and different people that God came into their life 
and God spoke through them his knowledge. And here's why I'm going to say his knowledge is because there are things in the Bible which mankind did not understand many things, but they wrote down because God gave them that knowledge and said, write this down. This is truth. Now, there's a lot of things in the Bible. There's things about ourselves that we have to learn that God has lots of knowledge about. And there are things about other parts of the world and other parts of creation. All right. So all of those things wrapped together, we want to see what God is telling us and how knowledge, the omniscience, 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 okay, of God, he put that throughout the Bible. We're going to take little snippets of it here and there to show you what things God already knew long ago. And mankind discovered and thought we were so smart, but they're already there. And we're going to talk in this series about some folks who did some amazing things and learned amazing things and put God as the center of science. Now, today, when you go to the average school, the average teacher is going to tell you science is here and God is here. And they don't mix. You can either believe one or the other. And I'm going to tell you that that is not true. God is the beginner of all knowledge. God is the keeper of all knowledge and the creator of all things. And with that knowledge, there is no conflict with science. True science has no conflict with God. You can believe totally 100% in God and go through and and dedicate your life to science and real learning. I don't mean political, this is what this guy told me to think. I mean real learning in any sort, in any field. And you will not find God to come up short in any field. All right? So we're doing this because we want you to see a few things. Now, God wants us to learn. And I want you to put this out there, this thought in my mind. If I was... Take this simple object here. Do you know what this is? It's an extension cord. Alright? How do you know it's an extension cord? Because it's a cord that extends. Might it might it just look like an extension cord? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Alright. But how do you know? Because if I plugged it in and tried it out, right, hopefully it doesn't blow up, okay? First of all, it doesn't blow up, and if I was to plug another thing in here, okay, it would work. Because if, if the wires were crossed in here, or if the wires were crossed in here, it would go boom in my hand, right? But you are you're telling me that this is an extension cord. Have you ever found one of these while digging in the ground? No. Okay. If you found one of these in your backyard digging in the ground, what would you think? Why is there an extension cord in my backyard? Why is there an extension cord in my backyard, right? Wouldn't 
Don't you think maybe you would go and say, oh, I discovered something. Extension cords, I discovered the one in a trillionth chance that the extension cord, all the things that make an extension cord came together. And made an extension cord. And I found it in my backyard. You wouldn't think that? No. no. You would think somebody put it there, right? Because <laughs> somebody designed this to fit in the plug. Right over there, right? And it happens to have the one wider plug for your neutral and the other plug for your hot, so you can't even put it in the wrong way. Right? Unless you grind those off. Something, right? So there's a purpose to this. And there was a design behind it. As simple as that is. And you would not believe that that was something that was just happened upon and found in your backyard and it just all the right molecules came together in the right place. And that's pretty simple, right? Right? That's pretty simple. How many of you have ever worked on an engine? A little bit? Okay, a little bit. Are, is an engine more complicated than this? Yes. Okay? How about, let's say, a brand new engine out of a Chevy truck? Computers and everything on it. Is that more complicated than that? If you were digging in your backyard and you found a brand new engine buried, would you think that all those parts and pieces came together just by chance? No, no. Somebody put it Why not? It's not possible. Oh no, it's not possible. Isn't there the slightest chance that it could happen? No. So. <laughs> right. so when you found that engine and you went and there happened to be a key there and, and, and you could turn that and it started, right? You think that's impossible and then it would run, right? You think that's pretty impossible? Like, like anybody who thought, I discovered an engine in, the back, in my backyard. I dug it up the other day. What? I think I would get <laughs> you would be famous for that, right? So here's what I'm telling you. We would not believe that an extension cord, as simple as that, just happened to come together underground. That's a very simple. That's made out of plastic and copper, right? There's copper in the ground. Couldn't that all come together? And all the things that make plastic just come out of Oil, essentially, which is in the ground, and heat. It just needs oil and heat. And we still wouldn't believe that that would come together. So what I'm telling you, when I'm telling you this to be a little ridiculous to say, why then do we say as a society, oh, well, human beings just came out of all the elements in the earth. As long as that ever sat there, you would say, that's ridiculous. Somebody designed that to do something. Somebody made that. And an engine with all of its computer components, somebody designed this and made this to do this. And yet the human body, your mind itself, regardless of your eyes and your nose and your senses and your skin and all of the parts and pieces inside of you that make you able to run... Regardless of that, just your mind is more complicated than any V8 engine. All right? So 
why do we, why are people so quick to say, well, evolution happened. It just took a long, long time. And all these parts and pieces slowly got together and there were some lightning bolts and a primordial ooze and boom, came these little living things and boom, more lightning over a million years and another living thing came out of it. And yet we have never, ever, don't believe that for anything. You don't even believe it for an extension cord. And that seems much more possible than a human. Okay? What I'm here to tell you is there was a design for all humans. It was a design. God had the knowledge. God put it together. God knew how to put the earth together. God knew how to put everything together. And he did. And he designed it all. All right? How do we know that? Well, let's look at a couple of examples. <clears throat> Anybody know what the water cycle is? Learned it? What is it? It's what? Precipitation. Precipitation. There's one part of it. What else? Evaporation. Evaporation. Condensation. Condensation. And why do you know this? Because your science teacher told you. There you go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Now, I want to tell you that just because you learned that in school doesn't mean that that's always been accepted. Now, think about this. The Mississippi River. I've been down on the banks of the Mississippi River. And out of the Mississippi River, every single 24-hour period, there are 518 billion gallons of water that flow into the Gulf of Mexico. Anybody ever counted to a million before? Wait, what? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> How about a billion? Nobody's even counted to a million. All right? Probably nobody's even counted to a thousand because they'd be like, that's a waste of my time, right? 518 billion gallons a day comes out of that river. And that's one river into the water. People have been seeing this for all of humankind, watching the river flow into the sea. It's obvious it's flowing into the sea, isn't it? You look at it, hey, look, it's going there, right? What is not obvious is how the water, now, there's another piece that's obvious, right? Where does the water come from? Rain. The rain, why? Because it takes from the water and water. But how do you know that? Have you ever seen that? Have you seen it take the water from the ocean? No, I've seen it in a cup. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all right, all right. So you have learned to do an experiment because there was a guy back in the 1600s who discovered this very same thing. But there's a cycle for water. And yet, let's go and see what God had to say. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1. Ecclesiastes is after the book of Psalms and Proverbs. So if you go to the middle of your Bible. <coughs> Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, verse number 7. This is written by a man named Solomon. And Solomon was? Solomon. Why is this man ever to live? 
So God gave him a few pointers and tips on things along the way. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, and don't shut it once you get there, because we'll be there again. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, verse number 7, I want you to read that with feeling. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come... Thither. Thither they return again. Alright. So Solomon says 518 billion gallons flowing down the Mississippi. That's not what he said. He never saw the Mississippi River. But he said, we watch and it just keeps flowing and flowing. I mean a lot of water. If you've ever been in a rushing river, how many gallons flow by? And you would think, how does that much water get into this river? I can't see it going up into the sky at all, right? It's not like there's a big plume of, of moisture coming off that you can see. It's invisible. You can't see it. You have to prove it scientifically that it's happening. But here is Solomon about 3,000 years before. I think it's about 3,000 years before. And he says, the water goes down the river. And it comes back to its source. Just keeps like it's cycling, which we call the water cycle eventually, right? We learned it. So skip on to Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. As we put this together, you say, okay, well, obviously, that's obvious to see, right? Because they can watch it and they say, there it goes, and somehow it gets back there. All right? So what else is in the Bible? This is knowledge. Chapter 11, verse number 3. Read that, please. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall be. All right. Wherever a tree falls, there it is. Right? That's pretty obvious. Right? And when you look at the clouds and they get full, the water comes out. That's also obvious, right? And Solomon is stating, you know this. Everybody knows this. The water comes out of the clouds and the water goes all the way down to the sea. There's a cycle. And if you think that, well, okay, the obvious part is what he stated. But he knows there is a cycle and that it cycles around. Not that there's all new water coming out of the middle of the earth. Because how else would you know? Right? How else do you know? Well, he understands something deeper. And more than that, God understands exactly where it comes from. Turn to Amos chapter 9. Okay, So that's in some of the minor prophets. Go towards the New Testament. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. All right. So it's a little tiny book in there. Amos chapter number 9, verse number 6, because we know God knows this stuff. God knows exactly what's happening, and he knows all the parts and pieces. Chapter number 9, verse number 6, please, of the book of Amos. He that calleth for the waters of the sea, 
until the 1600s to say, hey, there's a water cycle. Now we say, oh, I learned that in sixth grade. It's no big deal, right? Fifth grade, third grade, whatever it is. But God had it, the knowledge of that, a few thousand years, he had it from the beginning, but a few thousand years before, he wrote it in the Bible to say, look, this is the cycle. I'm telling you, there is a cycle. This is how it works. It goes down the river, into the sea, it evaporates. We have that word evaporates now, but then, and God puts it up in the clouds, and down it comes again. All right? So there's one. Now, here's another one I want to look at. The first one's a water cycle. Uh, go to Genesis chapter number two, please. The water cycle. Genesis chapter number 2, as we look at another one, we say, well, what knowledge did God have and give to us way before we found it out as human beings? Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 1 and 2. All right, so what is very clear about the work of God on the seventh day? It was good. It was what? It was good. That's not what it said. What did it say? He ended it, okay? And specifically, what did he end? What did it say before? In the first verse. And of the making of all the heavens and earth. So what's the heavens and the earth made of? Atoms. Okay. Yes, atoms. I like that. Not atoms like Adams and Eve, but atoms like A-T-O-M-S. Okay. Little tiny particles of what? Atoms of what? We put it into a nice little table, the periodic table, right? Because it's all the elements of the earth. And what is made up of the elements of the earth? Everything. Everything's made up of those, right? You and I are made up of those things, okay? That's, that's, you guys have learned this in science class, and that's fantastic. And God said, I'm done, and I'm not making any more. In fact, how do we know that mankind is made up of the same stuff that the earth is made out of? Because we looked at all of our parts and pieces, right, and tested it. And yet, let's go to let get the right. chapter 2, verse 7. Read that one. And the Lord God man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living soul. 
But that's an old thought, right? That's ancient stuff. That's old. We, we know better than that in science, right? Because we're not made out of stuff that's made out of... Well, maybe we are. Same elements, right? Same elements. God can rearrange things, and that's what we find. The interesting thing in the first verse we read was he was finished with creation on the sixth day. In specific, it said, and if you go to the Hebrew word that's written where it says finished, it means it died on that day. That's it. It's over. It perished. Finished with creation. And then he rested. All right? Now, why does that matter? We read over that and say, well, that's because he's done, right? Yes, he is. And when he created man, he did not just go poof. And he made a man. Why did he form him out of the dust? He was finished making other things. So he just made him more stuff that he already made. He was finished, all right? And God created this cycle. How did he make woman? What, what did he make her out of? Adam's rib. Already things that exist. Why did he do that? Because he was finished. Anybody ever heard of the first law of thermodynamics? Well, that's how you spell thermodynamics. The first law of thermodynamics says that matter or energy can neither be created or destroyed. Right? <laughs> there was many people. Now, that, that didn't come about when you get the right time frame. We didn't have the first law of thermodynamics until 1841. When a man named Julius Robert von Mayer, who you never have heard of, came up with a concept that said, when we burn a log, it's turned into energy, which then can be turned back into matter, and energy and matter, right? And you can do those types of things. There is a translation from one to another, but nothing can be destroyed. Matter cannot be destroyed, and this has been proven. Or created. But it took till 1841 for mankind to figure that out. In fact, before then, people believed that things were constantly being created. Because if you look at a tree, where does it come from? It keeps growing from the ground. And we know that because we say, well, this all makes sense, right? Because you've, you've grown up with this science but God said, I'm done. I did not make any more. In fact, when he built Adam and Eve, he used elements already that he created. He did not create or destroy. So once he was done, he's finished. He says, and you can't make any more. Humankind, go ahead and try. And you can't even destroy it. Go ahead and try. Burn it. Crush it. You can't change it. back and forth, and you are bound to the law which God created in that first week of creation. And he says, and I stopped creating. 
the first law of thermodynamics. I stopped, and you can't create or destroy anymore. God set that in motion far before we ever came to this earth. All right? So God has done so many things. He's put so many things together. Right? God knows all this at the beginning. It is packed in the Bible throughout. There is, and I won't do it um, at this point for the sake of time, but if we go back and we were to look in the book of Psalms, chapter 8, verse number 8, you would find that David refers to pathways on the sea. What is a pathway on the sea? Isn't it all a pathway? Currents. Currents. Currents of which we did not know anything about until later we measured and all this. But God gave David some knowledge and said, look, there's pathways on the sea. And if you were to look at the pathways on the sea, if you were to look at the world, and you can look this up on your phones or on computer or wherever you do, if you were to look at the world, there are, and this is terrible, okay, here, look, that's like Africa, whatever. Here, so, is that North America, South America? Yeah, isn't that great? Okay. So what's happening here, if you look in certain spots, sometimes the currents run around the edges, sometimes the currents run straight across. Okay? They go all over the place, but there are pathways. Essentially, when you catch a ship in that pathway, it takes you right along. And the animals, some of the animals, right, catch those currents. Seen Finding Nemo and the turtles get on the current, right? That's what it is. There's currents that God has created. And God says, I know there's pathways in the sea. Long before mankind ever knew it. Before they were ever sailing the world. It was just a great big water out there. Before mankind was ever sailing the world, God says there's pathways. Catch one of those pathways and you'll go a lot faster. Go on off of it and you'll fight the whole way. But also, it talks about, back in the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about air going from north to south and then turning and going back up. Interestingly enough, if you were to look at air currents and flatten out a map of the world, as you look at the currents of the air, they flow, guess what? north to south around the globe and then there's ones that come up and they all wrap around like this do you think Solomon had instruments measuring it there weren't even instruments available it didn't even exist to measure the wind but God gave him the knowledge because right? God had the knowledge in the very beginning and mankind took a couple thousand years to figure it out after God wrote it down. Oh yeah, we're so smart, we found it. Well, but it's already in the Bible. But we won't tell anybody. Because we're smart. Right? God had the knowledge from the very beginning. One more interesting thing, and I will let you go with this. <clears throat> God gave specific knowledge. And what to Noah? What did he have Noah do? Build he built an ark. And how did Noah build the ark? He made a boat out of wood. 
And what were God's directions, besides making it out of wood? Wood's a good thing to start with. Put two animals of, well, to, put two animals of each species? He did that. How did he build the boat? How do you know how big to build a boat? God gave him and said, I need you to build it this wide, and this high, and this long. That is a ratio of 30 long, get this right, 5 wide and 3 high. Now you can multiply that by as much as you want in cubits or yards or meters or whatever it is. But 30 long, 5 wide, and 3 high. By, the, by 1900, which is 120 years ago, mankind figured out what the perfect, efficient way to build a ship was. Those ratios. But we're pretty smart, right? <laughs> it only took us an extra five or 6,000 years to do that, right? But we're pretty smart. We figured it out. What I'm telling you is God already knew Right? God knows how things go together, what things work, how physics works and chemistry works, how geology works and, and how biology works. He, put, he knows how these things go together and he has put in the Bible all of these things. So if God is smart enough to know how the whole world goes together, if he is smart enough to create things then I think maybe we ought to think about some of the other things in his word, how important they might be to us, how relevant they might be to us. If it took mankind 3,000 years to figure out how to build a ship that God already put the dimensions of in the Bible, maybe we ought to pay a little closer attention to the other things about how to live our lives, how to treat other people, what is right and wrong about forgiveness. All those things God has great knowledge on, way better than any human ever does. And that's why, not just to say, well, isn't God smart? Yes, he is. But I want you to understand that his knowledge does not stop at creation. Because he understands more of us as humans. We will get more into those things as time goes on. Thank you very much. Have a good day.